reporters are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide. I'm Brian Hyde, and today we're going to be talking about a world turned upside down, and it's going to cover everything from medical greens to drag queens to religious extremes. Yeah, there's there's a theme that's, that's at work here. My goal here is not to make you angry. My goal here is not to uh, point out the enemy that you should be, you know, disgusted with or otherwise spending any time seething over. But I do want you to question carefully what you're hearing about in the media and, and why it's reported the way that it is. Is it possible that sometimes things are slanted in such a way to lead you and me to a place that otherwise we wouldn't normally go? Especially when you consider how many things that, that uh, we once took for granted that now are absolutely uh, despised. And, and the older you get, the easier it is to notice that uh, there are some things that, uh, that are just absolutely inverted in terms of reality. I'm going to start with something fairly mild, but uh, this is apparently a pretty big deal now. This is a headline from, uh, I believe this is the Idaho Capital Sun. We can't wait any longer. Idaho Healthcare Group wants action on climate change. Now, Idaho Clinicians for Climate and Health founder uh, says it's uh, it's not a political issue, which, by the way, that's your first clue. It is a political issue. And so this isn't political, but, you know, here goes. It's a healthcare issue. The problem is we have seen over the last, man, it's been almost three years now, we've seen what happens when politics and medicine climb into bed together. It's It's been very good for people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, Fauci rather, who's, uh, well, let's just say that uh, his earnings have uh, have come along very nicely during that time, but not so good for the rest of us who are simply trying to live our lives, trying to navigate the difficulties of the world, and above all, trying to remain free. So here, here goes one crisis, right? The, the pandemic is over. Come on, Joe Biden said so, or at least his handlers are allowing him to, to get away with saying it. They didn't walk it all the way back, but we have a new crisis about to take its place. And so it's a little bit disturbing to see that uh, we now have healthcare providers stepping up and, and, and stumping for the issue of climate change. Now, lest you doubt that uh, there's, you know, anything to this, well, come on, you're trying to say that they're, they're pushing climate as the next uh, crisis? I want you to watch this video clip, and this this starts with some undercover footage from Project Veritas, and uh, it's a CNN, I believe a, a CNN producer or a CNN, uh, a member of CNN's personnel, talking about how the, the pandemic crisis has run its course, so climate crisis is what's coming next. Then watch and see how the news media handles that. Check it out. Start focusing mainly on climate, climate like global warming. And so our next thing is going to be for climate change. Awareness. Climate crisis, climate change. 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 Climate crisis. Climate change. Climate change. Warming climate. Climate crisis. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate emergency. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Climate solutions. Climate change. 
Climate change. Climate crisis. Climate change. Climate change. The George Floyd moment for a climate. Climate change. Climate crisis. Global warming. Uh, climate change is real. It's the climate crisis. Climate change. 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 Climate crisis. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. The planet is on fire. Do you think it's going to be just like a lot of like fear? Climate. Yeah, fear sells. Well, <laughs> you know the the George Floyd moment part really threw me too. But look, I I'm not I'm not trying to say that these physicians and these these uh, Idaho clinicians for climate and health. I'm not telling you these are bad people and they're now carrying water for you know some of the extreme uh -huh, extreme environmental groups. But there's a very definite push to keep us alarmed about climate. And, and I think that uh, this group may be acting sincerely, but be careful because what starts out as acting sincerely can suddenly turn into, why are we living in the cold again? And, and why am I waiting for my electric car to charge? And, and uh, why am I eating bugs? Oh, yes, to, to make the weather better. Now, the article goes on to say the goals are simple, to help healthcare as an industry reduce its carbon footprint and to put our environment on a level with our diet when it comes to talking about health. Now, they, they do have some very informative information in this article as far as how much waste is generated just in a typical day at a typical hospital. And I think uh, for, for like one surgical center, you're talking 180 plastic bags of trash. That's a lot. So I applaud the good stewardship being shown, but I'm very, very skeptical about to where does this lead? And is this part of the larger climate crisis that is being uh, pushed down upon us, you know, from, from a number of different angles? I mean, not just nationally, not just, you know, uh, from the state, but you see this locally. I mean, Boise's mayor, McLean, is very into climate and, and, and fixing the climate. And, of course, even globally, that's, that's where this comes from. Now, the doctor who is one of the uh, founding members here for Idaho Clinicians for, Cli for Climate and Health, Dr. Ethan Sims, says as pressing as the scope and scale of this problem is, there are at least two or three solutions for every problem that exists. And we just need people going forward to tackle this problem because we can't wait any longer. Now, look, again, I, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume that this doctor is coming at this from a place of uh, sincerity. But do you remember, you have to be over a certain age to remember a few years ago, back in 1988, when Yellowstone Park had a massive forest fire. And there was, you know, lots of smoke billowing down. It pretty much followed the entire Snake River Plain. And it was, it was hard to breathe. It was miserable. Your eyes stung. And yet uh, nobody was talking about climate change at that time. And I'm assuming it's because it wasn't a political issue then. The climate is always changing. The question is, does man actually have influence over the climate to where we're the ones causing those changes? And, and can these changes be solved or can they be addressed by giving politicians more money in the form of taxes and more authority over our lives? So color me skeptical. I don't think that either one of those things are, are going to solve it. Let's, uh, let's jump on here to the next, uh, next observation from this article. The group's goal right now is to show that a changing climate can damage their health. And this Dr. Sims says, I don't think that there's anyone out there in the world who's like, yeah, I'd like to have a cough for the rest of my life. That's okay. Like these 110 degree days, it's cool. They just keep doing that, Sims said. So I think there's nobody who doesn't agree that they don't want the negative effects of climate change. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of negatives. I'm sorry, you admit confirming that you never denied that you didn't say that. Am I, am I following? No. Anyway, I wish them... 
really the best in terms of uh, if, if they want to, to practice good stewardship for their hospitals or for their medical clinics in terms of reducing their carbon footprint, have at it. But if this is just, you know, more um, authoritative figures or more experts lining up behind the whole climate change crisis, that's probably what we need to be watching out for. So I hope that doesn't cast too many aspersions on what uh, these clinicians, uh, you know, for health and climate in Idaho are looking at. But uh, the idea that if we all just, you know, submit to whatever the climate change policies are that are being proffered by people in places of power, that somehow this is all going to be better. I think it vastly overestimates, first of all, what uh, what human beings are capable of doing and what politicians' words on paper are actually capable of accomplishing. And, and we've already seen, I mean, come on, a devastating uh, hurricane. Ian has just wreaked havoc on the uh, west Gulf Coast there of, of Florida. Fort Myers, oh my word, if you haven't seen the footage of, of how much damage is done, and it's just, it's crazy to see how many people are like, well, you know, the reason for that is because of climate change. Is it? I mean, if you remember Hurricane Katrina back in 2005 or some of the other hurricanes that have come on, there have been very destructive storms from time to time. To try to pin that on it's because you drive a car seems to be a bit of a stretch. But people who want power aren't necessarily known for trying to stay within the boundaries of reality. They'll do whatever it takes to shame us or scare us into doing what they want. All right, shifting gears. Let's... uh, Let's talk about a drag performer suing a blogger for defamation over an edited video from an Idaho Pride performance. And this is, the story itself is really not that that crazy. Okay, someone was offended that this uh, dra- this drag performer was was offended that a video of his performance was posted, and apparently the blogger pixelated out the crotch area and and was passing the video off as well. See, this is because this person was showing their genitals where there were children present. Now, police who were you know, in the jurisdiction where this event took place, reviewed the unedited video. They said, look, we don't see any signs of, of indecent exposure. But somebody still needs to beat that drum about uh, how only extremists could have a problem with uh, performers in front of children and, and, and suggesting that there's anything wrong with that. So the story tells us Eric Posey filed the lawsuit Monday in court in northern Idaho, saying his reputation was damaged and professional opportunities suffered after a blogger by the name of Summer Bushnell, who runs a blog called The Bushnell Report, released the video and falsely told her social media followers that Posey had had, carried, had committed rather a felony by exposing himself to children during a Pride event in June. Now, a subsequent police investigation cleared Posey of wrongdoing. A city prosecutor said the video showed no evidence of indecent exposure. So that's all fine and dandy, right? The Pride event, of course, made national news at the time, but not because of Posey's performances, but because 31 members of what this news article is calling a white supremacist group called Patriot Front. I think they've been upgraded. They were uh, once once they were a white nationalist group, although you've seen people of color in their ranks, but now apparently they're full blown white supremacists, just like the KKK and the Aryan nations. Or it's possible that anybody to the right of the far left is considered far right. Hard to tell here, but they were arrested near the park and charged with conspiracy to riot. Look at this line. Many have pleaded pleaded not guilty. What is that supposed to tell us? What are we to infer from this? Some have. Why don't you just tell us? Some of them have pleaded guilty or have any of them pleaded guilty? Okay, Maybe some of them haven't entered pleas, but it just 
seems like we're, we have to be reminded, well, you know, if you question anything about these drag queen performances, you must be, you know, part of those extremists, probably a white supremacist, at least according to them. Posey's reputation has been tarnished, he says. He suffers distress from harassment and the police investigation and has suffered consequences with his employer and lost professional opportunities. Posey seeking damages exceeding $10,000 as well as attorney's fees. Misleading rhetoric, the article tells us, aimed at LGBTQ people. I don't know what was misleading. It was video of a person, you know, performing. And if look, if the person who released that video pixelated the crotch area with the intent to deceive, that's wrong. It's just as wrong as when when media lies and 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 shades things and omits truth in order to lead us in a predictable direction. So let's let's make sure that's clear. But they claim now that this misleading rhetoric, whatever that means, aimed at LGBTQ people has escalated in recent months and events featuring drag queens are frequent targets. Uh, <clears throat> just to clarify, the reason that any rhetoric whatsoever regarding these events has escalated in recent months, and particularly the events featuring drag queens, is because there are children involved. There was a time, and it wasn't that long ago, when it was absolutely understood you don't engage in degenerate behavior in front of kids. Whether that degenerate behavior is drunkenness, whether it's, you know, loud profanity or just, you know, speaking or, or uh, you know, speaking in, in very graphic, vulgar terms, you just don't do that in front of kids. We are apparently supposed to believe that, well, but, you know, it's okay for them to dress up in some hyper-sexualized version of, of uh, the opposite sex and, and do that in front of little kids, and that's all good and dandy. And listen to this warning. Experts have warned that some extremist groups may see the rhetoric as a call to action. <gasps> really? What kind of extremist groups are we talking about? Are we talking parents who would say, kids, you're not going to the park today because a bunch of people are letting their freak flags fly? Is that the kind of extremist group we're talking about? We're talking about churches, which still maintain that there's a difference between right and wrong. What could it be that constitutes these extremist groups? I guess we're we're just supposed to make the connection. Basically, if you're speaking out against this, or if you are in any way less than supportive of it, well, you're on a par with Patriot Front, probably a white supremacist yourself, and you're encouraging people to violence. That's the call to action. Like I mentioned in a previous uh, program here, some somebody with a little self-awareness might just stop and think, gee, the pushback here and and the, the people who are upset, well, the, the more these videos get out, the more, the, hey, this is going to invite violence against us. It's not that people are out there looking for an excuse to go and be violent. And frankly, I, I've seen no examples of anybody being violent because of this. I've seen a number of people who've been very vocal in, in registering their disapproval and saying, we don't want to have this in our community. You shouldn't be doing that in front of kids. There's a difference. Words are not violence. Disapproval is not violence. But if you're actually doing something, like if you are behaving in a degenerate or deviant fashion in front of kids, maybe you should consider not doing that. Maybe that's the reason that uh, that people are are getting upset because they're seeing something that is inappropriate. But of course, we're not allowed to say that anymore, right? Day by day, year by year, things that were once unthinkable are now celebrated, sometimes even protected by law. Meanwhile, things that were once considered virtuous or things that were admired are now treated as hateful and backwards. And of course, the older you are, the more you're going to see this kind of thing. So my advice is please don't don't be scared. Don't be afraid to, if, if you don't agree, it's fine. 
And I think most people really just, just have to, you have to be willing to take the slings and arrows of speaking up. You're going to be criticized. Nobody can stand for anything these days without being criticized. But especially if you're going to assert that there is still an objective standard of right and wrong, you're going to be lambasted, invited to come attend your own struggle session where you can confess your sins and, and apologize. And maybe the crowd will, you know, show you a little leniency and only beat you to a mildly bloody pulp, you know, before canceling you and, and causing you to lose your job. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a very healthy society to me. And of course, uh, thank you to the folks at Stone Toss Comics for providing an excellent illustration. Is this how we're supposed to view things? Ah, uh, well, churches, you know, they're just grooming these kids, trying to turn them into a bunch of fanatics and, and uh, you know, religious extremists. So where do we take the kid? I oh, will take him to the drag show. That ought to be good for him. And by the way, here's a good example of what this looks like, at least uh, from, from one Idaho journalist's point of view. A story broke uh, in the last few days about influential members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as the Catholic Church, have been pushing back against some reforms of state laws that would require clergy to report child sex abuse that's revealed during confessions. Now, look, the churches do not need to be conscripted into becoming law enforcement agencies or adjuncts to the law enforcement agencies. They do have a duty to report, and I think they take that seriously, but Here's reliable old Brian Holmes from KTVB. Remind me again, it's the drag shows we have to worry about. Really, Brian? What are we supposed to What are we supposed to infer from this? That uh, you you know the kids are going to be uh, healthier, happier. You know they're going to be better off by attending you know shows where where unnatural or deviant behavior is celebrated, and perhaps even uh, the the idea implanted in their heads: Hey, maybe you're one of us. Maybe you should come in and do this too. Or being raised in churches, and you know, I'm speaking of some. I was raised in, and sent to church. That doesn't mean I always made great decisions, but it sure was good to have a foundation to fall back on and to realize that you know what, when I need a reminder of what is right and what is wrong, and what is the ultimate authority beyond the state. Very important to realize that the state cannot be the sole moral authority in our lives. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. You know, it's too many people are, are relying on the laws. Well, is it legal? As long as it's legal, then it must be right. That's not true. And if you're going to teach morality, and I mean the difference between right and wrong, to large numbers of people, religion is the best means of doing that. Because you cannot be compelled. You can't be marched at gunpoint. Truant officers won't come and take you away or take your kids away if you're not attending. It's voluntary. Whereas things that are administered by the state always carry with them the threat of force. Always. Any conversation you have where you say, well, you know, there ought to be a law about this, is inviting a man with a gun to sit down at the table. Now, some people don't like to acknowledge that reality. That's too harsh. That you, you're, you're, you're framing this in very stark terms, but that is the reality. That's why we have to be very careful where we exercise the state's power. It should be used to keep us free. It should be used to protect inalienable, natural, untransferable rights, not to impose ideological purity on the population, you know, according to whomever is in power at that time. Now, having said that, that brings us to our, our next example of a world turned upside down. I really had to read that headline a couple of different times. An open letter on the state's abortion ban from Idaho's faith leaders or from Idaho faith leaders. Okay, so this is 15 different Idaho faith leaders who write this guest column published in the uh, Idaho Capital Sun. 
And lawmakers using religion to justify removal of rights to access health care of any kind constitutes theocratic tyranny. Right and wrong be damned, I guess. But 15 Idaho faith leaders have written in this column. This is just a few of the things that they're talking about here. They say no government committed to human rights and democracy, which we now know means our rule, those who are in power, you know, democracy is the same thing as, you know, you doing what we say, can privilege the teachings of one religion over another. Let us be clear. Religion does not agree upon the moral considerations surrounding abortion and the value of one life over another. It, that, that would include innocent life, apparently. But we, but we do agree on religious freedom. Thus, religious freedom means reproductive freedom. Wow, what a leap. I had no idea that those were the same things. And, and you have to remember, when we hear the term reproductive freedom, that is the product of nearly five decades or more of successful lobbying and politicking that shifts our attention away from the innocent life at stake and only to the woman's right to exercise what we call reproductive freedom. A warm, fluffy euphemism that in no way begins to describe the stark reality of having to kill a living organism, an innocent life, in order to stop it from growing. By the way, comedian Bill Burr, if you haven't heard it, his his analogy of, uh, of a birthday cake is, is one of the most poignant ones that I've ever seen. And, and I don't think you would have him, I don't think you would have him ever labeled as, as some kind of a pro-life extremist, but he makes it very clear. You're killing, you know, the baby. You go into the abortion clinic, you have the abortion, the baby's not there when you come out. What happened to it? He likens it to, if I, you know, whip up a, a pan of, of cake batter and I put it in the oven for my birthday cake to bake and you come along and you pull that pan out and you throw it on the floor and I'm like, hey, why did you ruin my cake? And, and the, uh, the pro-choice activist or the pro-abortion activist is going to say, it wasn't even a cake yet. It was just some partially cooked batter. And Bill Burr's point is, but it would have been a cake if you had left it where it was. Likewise, it would have been a baby. And if it wasn't alive, you wouldn't have to kill it to stop it from growing. So, we oppose any attempt to make specific religious doctrine concerning abortion the law for all Americans. Now, they go on to say, these extremists, oh, there it is. <laughs> Just was, we knew it was in there somewhere. These extremist abortion laws place everyone's bodily autonomy and freedom at risk. And as always, marginalized and low-income people are the most harmed. Okay, in what way? I'd like, I'd love for these faith leaders to explain that. Because if you want to talk about who has the, <clears throat> which communities have the most abortions, far and away, it's, uh, it's the marginalized, low-income minority communities like the black community that will often be, be aborting the most babies. So as long as you don't care about the innocent life that's being taken, eh, yeah, well, this is, this is why we have to protect the right for people to kill that innocent life on demand. These bans don't stand alone, the letter says. They're entrenched in a conservative, fundamentalist political agenda that is targeted. Are you ready for this? This, this is how we know we're, we're dealing with collectivism writ large. That's targeted voting rights, trans rights, immigration, education, and more. So it's not really a political issue. I mean, it's not really a religious issue at all. It's a political issue. This is just cover of religion to try to stump for that particular political issue. It's never been about abortion. It's about the control of your bodies, or of our bodies, rather. So here's the question I have for these 15 faith leaders. When it was mandated that people take the jab or lose their jobs, 
Were you concerned about people's bodily autonomy then? Were you speaking up? Were you, uh, were you writing thoughtfully worded letters to be submitted to Idaho's legacy media so that you could stand up for the rights of people to assert their bodily autonomy or not? Because if the answer is no, this is ringing a little bit hollow. Maybe, maybe you're, you're not being very consistent in your principles. They go on to say this is not a law to protect freedom or the well-being of society, but a heavy yoke across the shoulders of an already burdened, of already overburdened medical providers, putting them in a moral crisis. Oh, okay, so now we're going to throw it at the doctors. Well, see, this is bad for the doctors too. People have the right to be able to trust that the health care providers will provide the best health care, the best care possible rather, and worry that they may instead impose their private religious beliefs on their patients. Now, most doctors seem to be pretty circumspect about this kind of thing, and what I'm about to say is going to offend some people, but if you have ever really studied, you know, what kind of medical practitioners become the doctors that perform these abortion services? They're the bottom feeders of the medical industry. Barely good enough to become a doctor, and so that's, that's where they tend to gravitate. That's not something to celebrate. That's not uh, the pinnacle of respect and, and uh, you know, uh, altruism for the human race. That's people who've earned a medical degree, who do a, a very distasteful uh, service that, that rarely, rarely is really in the interest of, well, this is, you know, if we don't do this, the mother is going to die or, you know, where there's a case of rape or incest. Even then, these are the rarity. Usually it's people who are seeking to avoid the consequences of having sex, find themselves pregnant, and then refuse to concede that once that pregnancy has begun, there's more than one life that's involved. So how does a person get clarity on these kind of things? How can a person know what's right and what's good? Well, we have to turn to the law. Well, is there something above the law? Is there something that would inform our sense of right and wrong? See, this is why Alexander Solzhenitsyn warned. The, the, the law, the legality of something is not enough to help us live up to our highest moral impulses, whether that be to help people or whether that be to sacrifice for the sake of someone else. If we're just simply doing, well, it's what the law says, so therefore we should be able to do it or we, we should call it good, because it's legal. Legal and good are not the same thing. You realize that, right? The people who were helping slaves escape, you know, during the time when slavery was actually part of American culture, codified in the Constitution, the people who were, were helping them escape, they were breaking the law. The people who were coming after them and returning them under the Fugitive Slave Act, they were keeping the law. So let's not pretend. Legal and right and wrong Legal and, un legal and illegal and right and wrong are necessarily the same things. They're not. This is part of a culture war that we find ourselves a part of. Devin Foley, in a piece that he wrote for intellectualtakeout.org, talks about how in the recent past, both America as well as Europe were grounded in a kind of Christian ethos, one that influenced everything in society. But today, it's being replaced by this egalitarian, nihilistic ethos in which individuals create their own beliefs and shape their lives and actions around them and that's what's taking over. And if you don't tolerate or accept those behaviors, no matter how deranged or how degenerate, you will be labeled intolerant. You may even find yourself sideways with your employer, friends, school, the media, maybe even the law. And, and I don't use this word lightly, but this is, this is war. It's culture war, but it's still a war. In fact, let's, let's go to the guy who literally wrote the book on war. That would be Carl von Clausewitz. War is nothing but a duel on a larger scale. 
Countless duels go to make up war, but a picture of it as a whole can be formed by imagining a pair of wrestlers. Each tries through physical force to compel the other to do his will. His immediate aim is to throw his opponent in order to make him incapable of further resistance. This last line is what's important. War is thus an act of force to compel our enemy to do our will. Now I'm going to go back to Devin Foley's article for just a moment. Devin Foley says a culture war, therefore, may be considered a non-traditional war waged over the ethos or guiding beliefs which inform and shape the collective actions of a people, nation, or even civilization. It's a war over the very foundation of society, laws, morals, and customs, and in some ways reaches much deeper than many traditional wars. So, yeah, it's it's war. And that doesn't that's not a call to violence, but a recognition that no matter how neutral you may feel, no matter how how much you may feel like, well, I don't want to be a part of it. This is just too divisive or it's too, uh, too uh, indicative of conflict. I don't want to be a part of it. It's okay. It will come knocking for you when it's ready. In other words, there is no neutral place to sit this thing out. And the answer isn't to, well, let's pass laws and force everybody to think the same way. We simply have to govern ourselves. And, the, you know, you ever wonder why abortion wasn't a huge issue? in you know the the generations leading up to the Roe v Wade decision 50 years ago it's because people largely still understood the concept of self-governance they understood that if someone is going to to make sure that uh, that I am living you know up to right and wrong i have to be the one to do that and the more that we're willing to do that the less outside influence we feel right now it feels like the laws are being twisted and turned to try to force us to accept realities that many of us cannot in good conscience accept so if you want to know which way to go, be on good speaking terms with your conscience. It's going to give you a lot better guide than, than thousands and thousands of pages of laws or all the political rallies put together. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide. Are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works.